0: Welcome to the Digital Thoughts Podcast. My name is Zan Sayed, and I am a pharmacist turned product manager. I have almost 10 years of clinical experience in oncology, ranging from inpatient all the way to outpatient. My goal with this podcast is to bring people from all sides of the conversation together so that we can learn from each other and build a better healthcare system. In this podcast, we discuss everything digital health from the people to the products. If you do enjoy what you listen to, please consider giving this podcast a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help a lot. Thank you very much, and let's get into the episode. Today, we have an awesome guest. His name is Steve Mallon. He is the Principal Consultant at Expose Healthcare. In this episode, we talk about how to find your startup idea, what not to do when building a startup, why is it important to have clinicians as part of your health tech company, and what is AI. This is a jam-packed episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. All right, guys. I have a great guest today. Uh, his name is Steve. Hey, Steve. How you doing?
1: Zane, what's up?
0: Yeah, yeah man. Think life is good. Can't complain. How about yourself?
1: Um, I'm currently talking to you in my garage. So this <laughs> is legit startup garage, garage startup. Uh, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool.
0: Nice. I'm gonna hopefully you'll be uh, like the other startups that start in a garage, billions of dollars, right?
1: that's why I put myself in the garage. I actually have like a guest room that I could use, but I literally put myself in the startup to get into that zone, into that zone, you know. I like it. I like
0: <laughs> it. Uh for people that don't know who you are, do you mind giving them a little background about yourself with an introduction?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I graduated uh with a dual degree, Doctor of Pharmacy and an MBA uh from the University of Rhode Island in 2013. Um and then I started the way I Talk about it is I have my Clark Kent hat and then I have my Superman hat. So, my Clark Kent hat was working at CVS as a pharmacist, then, write it as a pharmacist, Walgreens as a pharmacist, then, independent specialty compounding as a pharmacist, good boy, pharmacist guy. So, that's like Clark Kent, clean guy. And then, then I have my Superman side. Uh, And pretty much right after graduating college, I wrote a science fiction novel about. Basically, an AI taking over the wor- world using virtual reality. So, super cliche. Um, and then I kind of put me, I kind of went into the rabbit hole of blockchain because of that, because I was looking up like cryptocurrencies and all that kind of stuff. I actually had a cryptocurrency in my book as like the main currency at the time. And this was before it was cool. Um, Should have probably bought blo- uh, Bitcoin at the time. Um and uh, so because of the blockchain, I was teaching a little bit, so taught a little bit uh about blockchain and healthcare. Uh, then did a little startup for three years. Uh, probably could write a book: top ten ways not to start a business, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, this was basically helping medical cannabis patients get their uh medicine covered by insurance. Um mostly for the purpose of uh pain um uh, to replace opioids um <laughs> so like i said that failed miserably like i said i could write a book about like top 10 ways not to start a business um so because that failed so miserably i was like all right i'm going to go back to pharmacy you know counting pills and all that kind of stuff and then very soon i got bored and i was like thinking i was like trying to come up with a new business i was trying to come up with a new product and you service and you this and then i realized i was like listen i love just working on powerpoint slide decks i work i like working on white papers i like writing stuff so i'm like i'm going to get my feet wet with some like medical writing and right now that's like as you know zane this is like super popular now medical writing has been for like a year or two um <laughs> it's like being a product manager super popular um, so Kind of got into that, I got a couple of gigs through some references that I had, and then those couple of gigs turned into other couple of gigs, started broadening my consulting uh, acumen, or experience with different businesses, and now four months later, I have like seven, eight clients that I'm doing all sorts of consulting work, um, operations, strategy, uh, devops managing developers product management still writing writing courses teaching courses and i'm so excited it's like ridiculous um even though i'm in the garage i'm so excited and um yeah that's where i'm at right now i'm uh, i can't and i have a i have a one and a half year old daughter who is the apple of my eye
0: that's awesome man yeah um...
1: So that's where I'm at. Cloud nine. I can't, dude, I can't complain. I've had low points in my life. If we talked right when my startup was like dying, I'd be like, Zaid, this is horrible. But, uh, you know, that's life. It's up and down. You know, you know how it is.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. There's, um, man, we could probably talk for hours. (laughs) Um, let's do
1: a joe rogan style podcast <laughs>
0: hey man i i don't have much to do after this so we can probably go as long as we need to
1: i'm down i'm down um,
0: but yeah no i mean maybe we can t- uh maybe we can touch on i mean i, I want to touch on the the fiction book and web three but let's start yes. let's let's um let's let's take the band-aid off and talk about your startup and you kind of talked about what you you said you could write like a book on how not to start a startup so yes. do you mind kind of talking about kind of I don't want to say mistakes you made, but, like, let's Definitely say learning. Definitely mistakes. Learning you say opportunities. Mistakes.
1: mistakes are understatements, especially since I had an MBA. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's, like, so silly. Um, yeah, so I think from the start, um, I would say it was kind of like podcast, quintessential podcast business kind of mentality of, like, oh let's do it because it's cool let's do what's the latest thing let's do this blockchain thing let's do this medical marijuana thing it's so cool so cool so i feel like for a lot of reasons i was doing things just because it was cool um marijuana like other than college don't have much experience from a like medicinal perspective like i studied it in college a little bit and went down the rabbit hole a lot but i didn't I wasn't, like, working at a dispensary as a pharmacist. Like, there are pharmacists that do that. Um, I wasn't, like, a PhD in, in, in that. Um, so kind of, like, not understanding maybe the the realm that well. So, like, first of all, doing things because it's cool. Second, uh, not understanding that space that, that much. Not even going into that space. I could have easily gotten, like, a medical card for, like, anxiety or whatever. You can just get it for anything now. Um and used it, went to a dispensary, uh, didn't do that, uh got a computer, leased a car under the business name, business credit cards, out the wazoo, hired a fractional CFO for the purpose of making slide decks look great for investors. I think I think one of the things is is like there's like the whole fake it till you make it thing, which and like (sighs) imposter syndrome. But there's also like when it's actually true that you're just faking it and you're an imposter because you are imposter because you are an imposter because you're just not you're not really focusing on the product. You're not focusing on providing value for the market. All you're focusing on is trying to get investors for an idea without an idea coming to fruition. Like there needs to be some traction. Uh, If you have zero traction, no one's going to look at you. No investors, no serious investor, no VC, nothing. Like I pitched to (laughs) a lot of different investors flew across the country, talking to different people. And I mean, we raised like $300,000. So that's not bad. Uh, But at the end of the day, it all went down the toilet because there was no value. Like um, the reason why the past four months I've gotten paid is because I'm providing value, you know? Uh, I don't need an investor. I could just provide value to my clients. They give me money. They're happy. I'm happy. Great. <laughs> but if all you're doing is making slide decks and a website and leasing cars and accumulating credit card debt, <laughs> you're not, you're literally like sucking like life out of the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you bring up something. I think a lot of people forget. About just bringing value in and then kind of the rest will hopefully fall into place, right? I mean, not right. always, but right. I think that's really important is are what value you're bringing and are you even bringing any value? And I think that some people don't have that tough conversation with themselves because sometimes it might be a great idea, but it, <coughs> it might not be the right idea for the time, right?
1: Yeah. Or it's just they're being like very romantic about either their their idea or they're being romantic about starting a startup in general like oh I have an app and then you like go to parties you're like oh I have an app You, you like go to like family reunions and like birthday parties and stuff oh I have an app it's like like how about did you save any lives how about did you like make people's life better (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, I think that's a good, I think that's a good barometer to live by, you know, like, are you making people's lives better? And I think- Right, definitely
1: that, on a personal front, yes, yes. Yeah,
0: that that I think, I think if you're building something and if you're building, and if you're building something that's making people's lives better, then you are just, you're providing value just because of that. But um, what, so if somebody was starting a startup right now, like, what would you say- <laughs> You, like when did i think the biggest thing i think a lot of people kind of get caught up in is when to bring in investments like when you should hire people like what if you're let's say if if i'm like hey steve I'm, i i want to start a health tech startup right now what would be the first like three steps you would tell me to do
1: well the first thing if you're starting a health tech startup i would ask like why like are you Were you working in health care uh were you working in tech? Were you working in both health and tech? Um what I would do is look at your credit card statement and look what you bought over the past year. Or look at, or maybe not credit card statement. Maybe look at your time like when you were not at work and what you were doing. That's probably a good idea of like what your wheelhouse is. Like um if you have no experience in healthcare, you have no experience in tech, why are you starting a health tech? Like you realize you need to get to that to that 10,000 hour mark or whatever you want to like to even be like comparable to your peers. What makes you think, right? So if you have experience in healthcare or tech, then I would say what is your wheelhouse in that area? Because like yeah <laughs> if you're going to potentially spend like 40 hours a week for the next, at least 40 hours per week for the next few years, and potentially (laughs) sacrificing uh, your savings, if you have savings or whatever, spending a lot of money, your time, energy, you better be sure you know about that area. Uh, So that's where I would start in health tech is like, what do you know about health tech? And if the answer is, not that much. Stop and go home. If the area is... Uh, I know a lot about this area, but not a lot about the other areas. Then hone in that, on that area. And and then... All right. And then let's say you pass that test. So you know a certain area. Then I would do a hell of a lot of due diligence research. Um, because. Like, you know about the area, but maybe just look at what is out there, and don't get married to an idea just yet. You know, um, you don't want to start with an idea and realize, after, like, six months, it's not gonna... It's a horrible idea, and then pivot, all that stuff. Just, uh, just stay, like, a little bit disconnected. Uh, like, not married to an idea. Um... Talk to people about it. Talk to your peers. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends, especially if they know that area. So, like, almost like networking prehand. Like, uh, you know, I'm interested in the space. Uh, what, what problems are there? How about what problems are there? Find a problem. But uh, it needs to be a problem that, like, you then have to kind of figure out how to solve it. Health tech. Yeah, um, and then I would probably try to, like, not have this health tech be an app. Very easy to, like, want to have it an, as an app, but, um, it would be not easier. It's, a. Uh, it's very easy to, like, think that you want to have an app. But maybe you could have some kind of, like, basic website, uh, some kind of a Google Forms, MVP that could be worked out. Um. Okay. So like all right. So if you're health care and tech. Like let's say you worked the past 10 years uh in healthcare tech. Then and like you are a developer. <laughs> then you could probably like start like just from the beginning on your own. But if you're just on the healthcare side and you're not on the tech side, you need to find you need to find like a nice tech guy or girl. Who uh, is so excited about your idea that they're willing to also sacrifice their time, energy, and sweat and tears? Um...
0: Yeah, I think those are, I think those are great things. I think the one I want to touch on, the one I see a lot of people not doing, is the building. It's, I mean, you didn't say it, but I'm going to say it's kind of like building in public, where you're asking people, <sighs> "Hey, this is my idea. What do you think about it?" Right? Because people are so scared of people stealing their idea.
1: Oh yeah, that's funny. And, I like uh, that that's a good idea,
0: like like I don't I don't know i mean my my philosophy on that is, okay, if you're truly like if this is truly something you want to do, you've thought about it for quite a while, like you mentioned, right? If this is something that you're thinking about on your spare time, you're doing this in your spare time, you're looking at this stuff on your spare time. you're just like, doing
1: it naturally, <laughs> yeah you, you,
0: you've built a runway for yourself in front of everyone, you're already you know steps ahead of people right. So it's gonna be very hard for somebody to just steal your idea, so I always tell people like, "Oh, okay, you don't have to give like the whole thing all right you're not you don't have to tell them exactly how you're building it, but the general idea there's not many ideas that are like novel ideas, right like somebody's probably tried it or somebody's trying it in a different way but what are what are your thoughts about building in public Because you do work with some startups right now uh, and we'll kind of get into exposed health a little bit but what are what are your ideas about building in public versus kind of going in the stealth mode
1: um well, uh, the I mean the first thing is I don't know why you would need to ask because like you should probably have a good idea about what your competition is. This is actually something that I heard recently that was really good. It was like when you're talking to investors, if they ask you what your competition is and you say nobody, you're either like ignorant that you don't know what your competition is or you're just dumb because you're entering a space with no competition. And if you're entering a space with no competition, there most likely isn't really a demand for that product. So like Warren Buffett, for instance, he only invests in companies after a market has been kind of like settled and the Mm -hmm. the dust has settled. So like, um, if, like, uh, Pepsi and Coca-Cola first started, he wouldn't invested in, like, RC Cola at the time. He would wait for, like, Pepsi and, like, uh, Coca-Cola to uh, duke it out with the other little guys. And then, as soon as they he sees that they're solidified, he would invest in that. So, I would say, I mean, I agree with there's no novel ideas, but in terms of the business models, it would be a good idea to, like, try to... See what is missing with the current business models, and therefore, what you're doing is you're trying to be that little mouse running around an elephant. Where the elephant are these like legacy companies that are can't can't like hit the nail on the head, but you, this little mouse, are gonna like, ooh, you're so agile. So I don't know. I I get why you're saying to publicly go like, yay, the hello world. Here's my idea. But I don't know if it's necessary if all you're doing is kind of like taking other business models and making it a little bit better. Although, maybe I guess it would be a good idea to see if that little better is worth it, right? Um, but I agree with you. Uh, I had – in my startup, uh, my original startup uh, a few years ago, I um, was handing out NDAs like it was candy. In the beginning, like I would talk to investors, I would talk to uh, people we were hiring. We had like 20 people working for us at some point and we interviewed all these different people, handed out NDAs left and right. And the funny thing is, the only, (coughs) the person that ended up convincing me not to do that was a lawyer because he was like, for himself, he's like, yeah, I don't do NDAs because they're just unenforceable. Uh... And that's the same thing with, like, kind of putting your idea out there and someone steals it. If That cannot happen for you to put your idea out there and someone just to steal it and just, like, wreck it. It's not going to happen. It's, like, building a business is not just like that. It's very difficult. Um, And if they beat you at it, then, like, you were going to lose anyway. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and that's my kind of philosophy, too. Like, I think – I agree with you. I don't think that – I think if you're building a startup right now, especially if it's like your first one, it's better to kind of iterate on something that already exists and make it make it that a little bit better. And you know, one thing is it's 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 also nice to be a small fish in a big pond. You, that's still you know that still can be pretty lucrative. But the building in public thing is more like a how do I say this? I think once people know you're working on something, you get them interested, and then you kind of you, you kind of start getting an audience and then possibly future people that can test your product, future people that can kind of be your customers. And I think that you, it's really hard to kind of just show up one day and be like, Hey, uh, here's our product. But if you're slowly kind of bringing them along the journey, then you're kind of building, I don't want to say hype, but you're kind of building that recognition be like, okay, you know, they were, they were, they were waiting for it. And then then you kind of build like connections in the, in the field. So that's what I mean. Like when you're building in public, like I think that's yeah. what it helps with more. So also, obviously it helps validate your idea, right? If you're building something and somebody reaches out to be like, Hey, have you looked at, the, have you looked at this? Or have you looked at that? Or, Hey, this doesn't really work. Um, yeah. that helps too. But I think for me, it's more so like getting a following and getting people to kind of back you and root for you because, think one of the biggest things with startups in general is finding customers when you first come out and -hmm. it's really hard for people and it's for me it you make it even more you make it even harder if you're unless you're you have like millions of dollars to throw at advertising in social media it's really hard for like just a normal person to just show up on the scene and get hundreds and thousands of customers just like right oh yeah absolutely
1: absolutely but i don't know if like (coughs) I guess you could do both. I, what I would recommend is first reaching out to your support network, professional support network, um, and getting some validation. Um, and maybe have it be a mix of like uh, the naysayers. Like we know we all have people in our lives that are like, like, will either be like super negative or super positive. Uh so you don't want to talk to only those people that are positive because they'll be like, Oh my god, Zane, that's an amazing idea, or the guy who's like, Zane, that is a horrible idea, even though it might not be so horrible. So you wanna you kinda wanna hear from both sides, uh, ideally from people that are moderate in your life that have been positive and negative on certain situations, and get some validation. Be willing, be listen a lot like you don't want to be like talking the whole time and then being like I like it. <laughs> you want to tell them like what the idea is, maybe make it into like a, a short slide deck. Not an investor pitch, but like a short slide deck that you can wait that you can walk them through how it works. Um what the idea. Um and then publicly, yeah, I don't know. I would have to think about it some more. I I see what you th- I see what you mean by that. But maybe I would go public about the problem. Like, go public about the problem, but not the solution. Because honestly, if you're going to, from the very beginning, if you're going to hone in the problem instead of the solution, that's better anyway. Because you want to do some real research on the problem. Um, And even if it's in your wheelhouse, even if you've been a retail pharmacist, for like 10 years like I was like I was um doesn't mean everything have to do retail pharmacy you're like you know everything about it you didn't do market research of every product and every service that you ever used in retail pharmacy so if you're going to hone in on a specific problem uh in even your wheelhouse you want to get really into that problem really figure it out do your independent research support ne- support network <laughs> research um and then definitely partner with someone i don't know like i've never bezos i think is probably like the only one right that like is known to like start from on his own although he got like massive money from his like parents and stuff but whatever um but a lot of the startups most startups that you hear of they started with like two people and then if you're doing health tech once again if you're doing health tech you're either going to be a healthcare worker or you're gonna be a tech person you're most likely not gonna be both so you want to partner with someone that's the opposite of you so if you're gonna be doing that then boom you already have your um, reality check hopefully <laughs> hopefully which again you know you're ma- like you're gonna be married to that person you're gonna spend more time talking to them than your significant other than your children than your family than your friends so you better like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for
0: sure. I think the the founder relationship has to be pretty strong and I like that you brought up that it should be complementary skills, not the same exact skills. But
1: Yeah, ideally. Yeah. Especially but, health tech, because that's like you know, it's clearly like two very big industries that you have to tackle. Healthcare, technology, uh both have huge uh blind spots.
0: Uh yeah. yeah. Oh. But yeah, no for sure. But I kind of want to, now let's uh, kind of pivot into your um, consulting company, Exposed Healthcare. Sure. And both you and I kind of have a similar mindset when it comes to this kind of stuff, where um, we both think that if you're building something in healthcare, you should probably have clinicians as part of your team.
1: Definitely have
0: clinicians. And, to <laughs> and um, so maybe you can talk about, I mean, people are probably tired of me talking about it, so it's good to have other people uh, talk about it. Uh, what why do you? Why is it important? I mean, this might sound like a really dumb question, but there are so many startups that are non-clinician founded or they don't have CMOs. They don't have really clinicians in decision-making um, positions.
1: Yeah. Right. So one of the reasons my consulting company has been able to be successful is because of this. There's a lot of companies, there's a lot of people, entrepreneurs, that see healthcare and they're like, wow, there's such a big problem in it and they want to fix something. There's so much money in it too, right? Life or death, people need it, people want it Um, and they go into it but they're not necessarily doctors, nurses or pharmacists, you know, Um, so that's one of the reasons that I got, uh, I got my clients working with me because like almost every meeting that I have with my clients, they're like, okay, Steve, put on your pharmacist hat like, okay, Steve, if you were a pharmacist, like you're a pharmacist, so what do you think about this? And it's because like I have those 10,000 hours. I have that experience in pharmacy, in healthcare. Uh, I've talked, spoken with doctors every single day of my working career. I've spoken to nurses every single day. Um, so you, a company that's in the healthcare space Better have at least someone in the early stages, especially in the early stages, uh, that's healthcare related. I feel like once the company gets really, really big, <clears throat> then the CEO doesn't matter if they're in healthcare. Like Larry Merlow, right? Of CVS. Uh, I don't even know what he was, but I know he was definitely not a pharmacist, that's for sure. <laughs> um and at, at that point it doesn't matter because it's like NBA games. It's like Oh, you know getting your team uh uh excited buy in uh all sorts of different uh porters five forces, all this like business talk and business talk is the same thing everywhere, but when you're first starting and you're trying to find product market fit right you're trying to make sure your health tech product finds its fit how do you gonna do that if there's nobody? in your in the room that's actually a healthcare worker and honestly specifically there should be it should be a healthcare worker that's really uh int- intimately involved in that area like if you're starting an oncology product or uh, I know that's close to home uh like any product that like specific area of healthcare and your subject matter expert clinician was in the opposite side of the healthcare system that's not helpful either. Actually, that might be even worse.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And So,
1: like, it's not only clinician. It's, like, really, like, clinician that's experienced in that particular problem and your space.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think that I agree with you uh, 100%. And I think that one thing I always, I kind of say tongue-in-cheek, but I say that, you know having clinicians on your team and a health tech startup team, obviously the right clinician, and I agree with you if you have somebody if you're building an oncology product, you don't want somebody who is i don't even know i can't even think of something like <coughs> something like really opposite end of the spectrum right like uh, supplements yeah, there you go that's actually good, <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, but...
1: or, uh wait, I know. I know. Homeopathy.
0: <laughs> oh man, you're about to open a can of worms here. <laughs> hey, you said what's the opposite?
1: Homeopathy is pretty opposite.
0: Oh, yeah, I know, unfortunately I have too many stories about that. Uh, yes, stories, I'm sure you do. But, I'm sure you do. Unfortunately. But uh, yeah, no, you. So uh, you know, I I tell people like you know, if you're a health tech startup, you can have a clinician on board. We can guide you. Like, if you're going down a rabbit hole that's wrong, we can we can we can say like, hey, that doesn't work, and save you time, money you know everything right and so i say like i tell people like hey have a clinician on board we'll save you time time equals money money makes you happy so clinicians are going to make you happy right you know like like to me it just makes sense and i don't know why why do you think it is that clinicians don't get involved in technology or health tech startups do you think it's just that we're just risk averse we just don't know we're needed or do you think that like i've never really i mean i have my own answers but i'd love to get your insight on that
1: so I think uh, the biggest problem with doctors, pharmacists, um mi and some nurses is that our salaries are too high. And when you're making like a hundred twenty to hundred and fifty to two hundred, three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars, you're not gonna take a fifty percent, seventy five percent, or ninety percent pay cut to work on some startup. Like you're not going to do it. Like how many pharmacists like I know when I was uh before starting this this company, I did a long onslaught of like sending my resume out and applying to different kinds of uh roles and they always asked me like what salary I want and I always put like around 150. I started at like 150 cuz I was I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go for something a little bit lower than I was making as a retail pharmacist." Uh uh, but not so low. So I started 150. Then like a month went was by, I didn't get anything. Went to 140. Then like 130. Then I was like, "Oh man, wow! I'm really thinking pay go 120." Which I mean, I sound spoiled, but that's what pharmacists, doctors, and a lot of nurses are. They get paid pretty well, especially now. Travel nurses can make more than doctors. <laughs> they get pretty. They get paid quite well. And when you get paid quite well, you're not going to take that hit and that's the first thing uh the second thing are we risk averse i don't think we're more risk averse than the average person i think most people are not gonna start startups uh in uh well pharmacists are pretty risk averse yeah pharmacists definitely uh in general like i I was like thinking of myself i'm pretty average risk averse uh but yeah pharmacists are pretty risk averse but it's it's part of the the job you're uh you're like catching errors all the time, like minuscule errors, little things like sending them back to the technicians, oh, you spelled uh this word wrong, it's like such uh minutia minutia minutia, you got some Jomo from not working in the pharmacy <laughs> uh uh what call it um so that's the second so yeah, the first thing is like pay cut, second is yeah, pharmacists are risk averse doctors too i guess risk averse defensive medicine. Um, but, but I was talking to a doctor today from Stanford and what he noticed, and I think I noticed this as well, is that over the past three years, if you asked me this question three years ago, I'd be like, Zane, 100% agreed. But ever since COVID, there's been so many healthcare workers leaving the market for so many different reasons. Um, and I mean, not all of them are going to start startups or whatever, but they're going into jobs either at a startup or a small size company, uh, doing writing, consulting, like I'm doing, um, all sorts of things, uh, product management, oh, anything you could think of. Um, pharmacists will do anything, <laughs> but to fill a prescription.
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's true. Yeah. I mean. I think, I mean, you bring up a good point, the salary thing. And I don't think that, th- I mean, I don't even think about it as much. I mean, I, I had a similar situation to you too when I when I was applying is the salary number would come up and they would be like, I was like, okay, I'm willing to negotiate. And then they're like, and then the number just keeps getting lower and lower and lower. And you're like looking at the bill, because obviously, you know, the more you make the, your, your lifestyle creeps up. Right.
1: Yeah. You have and, a higher mortgage you have a nicer car, uh you go on crazier vacations, your friends are a group of people that spend a lot of money and they give you huge presents then you have to give them big presents and they give you even bigger presents.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but that's that's an interesting point. Um I actually it's 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 stupid to say but I didn't I didn't really think about that, but it, it, and you are right. There are more clinicians getting into the health tech space and I'm really happy for <coughs> it because I think <clears throat> that's only going to make things better overall. I think, in my opinion, so. But let's talk about exposed healthcare. So, your your consulting company. Mm-hmm. What uh, what kind of services do you guys provide? What kind of pe? What kind of um people do you work with?
1: Right. So the you know the tagline is exposing uh the truth, uh for patients and businesses. So we expose truth. All right. So what does that mean? So there's patients and there's businesses. So for patients. I've been uh, working with patients in, like, kind of a health coaching capacity, so I will help them with their medications as a a pharmacist, Um, and, you know, I'm going to bring on more pharmacists, they're going to do the same thing, and, you know, that sounds like generic, helping them with their medications, but it's kind of like deprescribing, helping them get off of medications they don't. They don't, they don't need, but also helping them understand why they're taking medications. Motivational interviewing. Sean, um, traditional health coaching, really. So traditional health coaching, motivation, motivational interviewing is about getting patients to own their health. And doctors and pharmacies and pharmacists don't have the time to do this. You know, your doctor has like five minutes with you. They're on their computer the whole time. Your pharmacist doesn't have any time with you. You're talking to like technicians or whatever. Um, so I'm I'm there, and exposed healthcare is there to like bridge that gap. So it's kind of like a health coach, <coughs> but also I'm focusing on sports and, um, and uh, diet. And in terms of sports, I will play sports with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, if we're not in the same geographical location. There's FaceTime. There's Google Meet. I will do jumping jacks with you.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's, um, that's, that's great. I mean, I think that, I mean, you laugh, but I think that yeah. having other people with you, it helps a lot. I think it does. one thing that, I mean, as much as of an introvert I am, I still value the human connection. I think that we will never be, I don't think humans are designed to be by themselves, live alone. Wolfpack. And- Yeah, as much as as much as people like me want to say like, oh yeah, I'd be fine by myself in an island. I mean, I'll probably go crazy. Mm. And you know, things like the things like you're doing, that's amazing. Like you know, like maybe that's maybe that might be the few minutes that they have with another person. And
1: I did it with my dad, and he lost thirty pounds in a year. And um, I did it through health coaching. I did it through playing sports with him, through not only playing sports with him, but getting him to follow up and play sports and then same thing with diet like his biggest thing was eating late you know eating after 7 p.m. 8 p.m. and when you eat past 7 8 p.m. your body is just not able to metabolize well and it just all stays in your body <clears throat> you're not pooping it out <laughs> so um so exposed healthcare there's basically a patient arm and a business arm the patient arm like i said is health coaching sports diet but the diet thing is actually really cool and it's actually really exciting because it's meal planning via restaurants and grocery stores so uh what i noticed is somehow when i go to a grocery store and meal plan compared to going out or get- getting prepared food from like grocery stores somehow i spend more at the grocery store per meal um and, and I think part of it is you go to the grocery store, you're in the aisles, you have that list, you go home, you cook everything, you try very hard. You're like, it's like this whole supply chain management bullshit. And then what you end up doing, eating so much of it. Cause you like work so hard. How about eating less? So when you go to a grocery store to get their prepared food or go to a restaurant, eat a very small portion. And what you'll end up doing is surprisingly spending very little money and eating just what you need to do. And then you could focus on exercising or, you know, being a better friend, family member, be a better worker. Um, so, my idea is I don't think meal planning is really working for our generation. <laughs> so, like I said, I am trying to help people that feel burnt out. And when people are burnt out, they don't go to grocery stores and like are very diligent about cooking healthy meals and eating a good amount of food because it's just so freaking hard.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, so <laughs> until like recently, so I, there's this guy I listen to or watch or follow, or whatever you want to call it. His name is Alex Hermosi. He's like a marketing person and he is jacked, like he is very, very jacked. And he said the same, it's kind of similar to you. He's like, <clears throat> he's like, if you go to Chipotle every day, And like, you know, get double meat and all this stuff, right? You end up, so he broke it down by calories. So he was a fitness, he was in the, he's in the fitness world and he, he did meal planning and all that stuff too. So he was saying that kind of what you're saying, you're sometimes better off just going out to Chipotle or whatever, getting a well-balanced meal from them. You'll end up spending the same amount of money, if not less money, because you're not throwing away food because, you know, produce and stuff goes to waste um that's stuff that we don't take into account <clears throat> I and mean, with the price of eggs these oh, days man come on I like...
1: take into account I see my freaking spoiled raspberries oh my god spoiled raspberries such a pet peeve they're so expensive
0: <laughs> yeah man i i uh <laughs> this is kind of a, i i bought a carton of eggs the other day yeah and I accidentally, not dropped it, but it kind of hit the corner of my hand. Oh, no. And And they're so expensive. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the most expensive thing I've ever done. Well, especially (laughs)
1: now with inflation, I feel like restaurant and grocery store prices, well, uh, like meal uh, prepared food section and and restaurant prices haven't really gone up that crazy somehow. Yeah. But uh, grocery, like the raw ingredients have gotten crazy high. So... You know that's one of my things is ba- working with people and getting them to get into that because Chipotle. If you get a wrap, I whenever I go to Chipotle, I only eat half of it. So it's like I I don't remember how much it is like ten dollars like ten twelve dollars for like Chipotle wrap. You split it in half, it's like six dollar meal. Yeah. Uh, meal prep right now because of inflation is around six dollars. So people need to like get over this whole meal planning thing and stop feeling bad about themselves and just freaking, like, like, just go to, a, go get food at a restaurant that's healthy. Go get meal prepared food from, like, Whole Foods that's healthy. Don't eat a lot of it. And that's all you need to do. And stress, gone. Yeah. So anyway, that's the patient side. Uh The business side is much more interesting in terms of, like, what we were talking about before. Like, um like health tech stuff. So so the business side, I w- I feel like it's going to sound bad, but executive virtual assistant is kind of how exposed healthcare works. So, if you're a startup, a healthcare startup, or even if you're a Fortune 500 company, wouldn't it be nice to have a nurse, a pharmacist or a doctor <laughs> 10 hours per week? 20 hours per week, 30 hours per week, 40 hours per week. Whatever is in your budget to just be in the room, to be on calls with your clients, to be on calls with your developers. Like my clients pay me because I was a pharmacist. Uh because I had a startup, but a lot of it was because I was a pharmacist and a lot of uh, clinicians don't know It would be very difficult to put them in a situation where they're getting paid by a company for 10 hours per week of work. So I'm getting into the business of connecting the haves with the have-nots. So the haves are clinicians uh, with broad range of experience to companies that are in the healthcare space that need clinicians with certain uh, you probably specific experience. So like this kind of like marketplace situation, which, you know, for now it's, uh, not anything tech, but you know, hopefully I get to a point where this is like a cool, like Uber style, <laughs> like whatever, uh, Angie's list or something. Um, uh, uh, so that's where, that's where that's kind of in a nutshell, what exposed healthcare is. It's helping patients and businesses find the truth. In healthcare via clinicians.
0: I mean, you kinda laugh. You kinda like threw it out there as a kind of a joke, but I, I love the idea of having a Rolodex of clinicians and if you're a startup or something going to a website. I mean it, it, this kind of happens with what is it called, like triple what is the GLG, right? Or things like yes. that. But but this is like a more formalized process where you're part <laughs> of the company and you're working with them, right? Rather than this is just like a discovery interview.
1: I did GLG. I did all GuidePoint, and it's BS. It's fo- it's focus groups. You don't have these people like investing. You don't have this pharmacist that's working with you, uh, ten hours a week, twenty hours a week, um, that you're getting to know. You're building rapport, and by the way, you might end up hiring the person.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That it's a, it's. I, I like the idea a lot, and I think that it does two things a it it kind of works both ways right it gives clinicians a way to kind of find a job that they're looking for right because that's one thing and then also helps the other side where tech companies they're like oh man uh we didn't think about any of this we need somebody and we need somebody right now so we need somebody that's vetted who knows what they're doing and that's kind of you know that's half the battle right it's finding somebody that is knowledgeable and is trustworthy
1: yeah including fortune 500 like i'm not just going after startups i i think How often have companies totally missed the mark in terms of, like, big companies missed the mark in terms of, like, what people want? Even, like, CVS misses the mark every single day in terms of their computer system. (laughs) It's a company founded by a pharmacist, corporate headquarters, WoundSocket, bunch of pharmacists, yet their software is horrible and not pharmacist-minded. So wouldn't it be nice to have a pharmacist in the meeting room, but you don't have to hire them as a W-2 worker and pay them ridiculous salaries and all this stuff and be married to them. It could be like a month to month, 10 hours per week, pretty affordable at the end of the day. And they're just in the room They're, but it could be, it could be much crazier. It could be like a farm. It could be a pharmacist with tech experience, uh, working 40 hours per week at a startup and they could have, like, massive, massive impact right in the beginning. And then, you know, they could have massive impact in the beginning. But there's, like, not really good rapport. Bye-bye. But they had impact. They had provided positive value. So it's kind of like, uh, I guess, the more I'm talking about it, the more it's kind of like a like a temp agency for clinicians. Um, But, like remote and um fractional work yeah know? and
0: i think I, and maybe it might be the circles i might hang out in but I, I i see more and more people looking for that kind of work but they just don't know how to find that work
1: and it's like a side gig yeah everybody a lot of people want a side gig yeah and it could be like a sustainable thing like maybe you just want 10 hours maybe like you love some people love being a pharmacist or a doctor or nurse but they would love to just spend ten hours instead of listening ten hours of podcast about business. They would rather be working ten hours for some startup, make, maybe making less than they are as a pharmacist, but actually being in the decision room, providing value, providing their perspective, and building that resume. See if they like it, <laughs> and it could be it could work out that it's sustainable for them. That it's just like they just want to continue doing it like that. This is great.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. including
1: writing. Yeah, including writing. You know, uh, that's how I got into it. There's a lot of pharmacists, there's a lot of nurses, there are a lot of doctors that love writing. They love being a doctor, but they want to do both. Well, maybe there's a job, maybe there's a company that needs them 10 hours a week writing for them. Blog this, editing emails that, editing emails this. Slide decks constantly need to be updated, make sure it's uh, um, applicable for healthcare. Yeah, yeah.
0: How do you find it? I would it? buy it. I would buy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, it sounds it sounds good to me. How do you Yeah. Um, so if I'm like too. if I'm a clinician and I hear this, do, how can I get on your in your decks? How can I get in your roster?
1: Really easy. So whether you're a patient, whether you're a clinician, healthcare provider, or you're a business, you can reach out to me on website tidycal.com slash expose. Tidy Cal got from you, Zane. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tidy cow. I don't get paid by them. Uh, no uh, no uh, affiliate here. But um, it's great. So you go to that website, and whether you're, again, a patient, uh, a, a business, or a provider, uh, you can uh, schedule a call with me because I want to make this personalized, not just you filling out some Google form, and then you get added to my list, and then I'll never call you again. Um, you know, hop on a call with me, we'll talk, um, and uh, we'll bring value. Cool,
0: well, no, that's, that sounds good. <clears throat> so, if it's okay with you, I would like to fit, pivot into your fiction book. It, you said it was about AI, Web3. Uh, both yes. are very, AI is more of a hot topic than Web3. Web3 was a hot topic, but I'd love to jump into both those topics and kind of get your opinion on them. Um, let's start with Web three first because that's maybe a shorter discussion than AI. <laughs> yeah. Um.
1: Well. So Web three. I. I. So I had a conversation with a guy who was very, very popular. I don't want to mention his name, but he was very prolific in the Web three environment and. He flew all around the world talking about blockchain. He wrote a book about blockchain that was New York Times bestseller. And I, I think by Web three you almost mean blockchain.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about blockchain basically. Yes.
1: But Web three isn't necessarily blockchain. And what he and I both talked about is, yeah, blockchain turned out to be kind of like smoke and mirrors, dud. But doesn't mean web 3 is a dud. But doesn't mean we're in web 3. So, we're in like what he dubbed web
0: 2.5. So what uh, so before we keep going, what is web 3 if for people that don't know?
1: So, web 3 I would consider is a collection of technologies that are pretty cool including AI like ChatGPT. You could consider like web 3 to a certain extent uh in uh internet of things the fact that like all your devices in your home are like interconnected and you could be like hey alexa like wipe my butt (laughs) you know (laughs) so like that kind of stuff that's like web three is like these like siri even like siri you could say to a certain extent uh everything that it does which i use such a life hack by the way siri and reminders yeah. Such a light pack. The only reason over the past four months that I've been, I don't know, like productive is because of reminders and Siri. Uh so yeah, Web3 um is definitely not just blockchain. You could consider it blockchain as part of it, just because it is kind of like a newer technology. Uh you could say 5G to a certain extent and all the cool things that it brings is uh web three. But then once again, like I said this guy that I spoke to, um, actually, I could say his name. This is not a secret. His name is Richie Atwaru, and he's the chief creative officer at Mobius. And he was (laughs) the CEO of humanity.co. And so he was super big, still is in terms of blockchain and all that kind of, well, not with blockchain, but he's still pretty, quite prolific in the space. And what he said when I was talking to him is, we're more in the web 2.5 space. So let's not, like basically we didn't make it that far of a leap to call it web three. We're still in that two point five area.
0: That's interesting. For me, I mean that that's interesting actually. Um uh, for me web three is more like when I think of web three, I think of um like decentralization. Anything that's like decentralizing us is what I consider web three. Is that's where where I come in with yeah. web 3. so like we're nowhere close to that at all. If anything everyone is fighting against it. Well not everyone, the the People at B R. So, I mean, blockchain was something I will admit. I'm, I'm still, I still like blockchain a lot. I think that there are, but the, the the more and more I go into it, the more and more I realize that it is only good for very specific things. And all these, there are some companies out there that are peddling blockchain, and they're saying it's going to solve everything. Right? It's like, it's not like I think like the, my
1: previous startup. We're using blockchain to fight the opiate epidemic. What the hell does that mean? Nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to put you on the spot like that. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think that, I mean, blockchain for me is, I mean, for people that don't know what blockchain is, blockchain is basically a ledger, right? That it's a public ledger that people can look at and you can kind of see what, who's been, who's, you know, where you can kind of go back. It's literally just a ledger, right? And um, And there are, I think there are some... Places where it can work really well, but I agree with you. And the more and the more I've gotten more into it, the more I realized it is very, 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 very niche. So let's so AI, right? So are you excited about AI in healthcare? How far do you think we are with AI actually being in healthcare?
1: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I don't know. Like people keep on saying AI in healthcare, but I like. Why I looked at a website today that was so funny. Not a website, I was on LinkedIn, and uh, there was a doctor laying on the ground with a bunch of forms, uh, like hospital forms, and he's like, I can't wait for AI to fix this. And I'm like, you don't need AI to fix paper forms, you just need a computer that you type buttons. Like, that's not AI. Like, what is AI? So, like, I would start with that, is people need to understand what AI is, is and what AI is not. Um, so AI is, so there's like a couple of components. So there's like machine learning, which is, has to happen. So machine learning means that whatever you programmed is actually getting better and better every second, every hour, every minute, every second. If whatever you programmed isn't getting better, it's not really AI. You just create an algorithm. Like in high school, I had a TA 84 calculator and it can calculate the quadratic equation. That's not AI. That's a freaking formula. So, like what's happening now with AI is um, people are slapping AI and everything. So, in healthcare, like AI could, like, um, what was that? IBM Watson, yeah, right? Watson, yep. Yeah, so decision making. So AI could help with decision making. Let's say you're a hospital (coughs) and you had like some pandemic start and you have all these data points and you want to somehow optimize your treatment protocol. AI could have helped a lot in the beginning of COVID by having all these inputs be analyzed really quickly and patterns being recognized and figured out. Oh, hydroxychloroquine does not work. Or uh ivermectin does not work or whatever. Um so or like dexamethasone, best thing since sliced bread. Who'd have thunked it? Um so AI uh, has the potential for really fast and really accurate uh clinical decision support that is personalized. So like personalized medicine um can be with AI be very uh advantageous. Um what else with AI, with healthcare? Uh actually could be really cool with Alzheimer's patients instead of having Uh, you can have an AI that's programmed to like mentally stimulate patients with Alzheimer's and dementia through like some chatbot that like will talk to the patient and just constantly make them like really stimulated and excited instead of like having a home attendant that's like playing uh um Minecraft on her phone the whole
0: time. That's actually that's actually really interesting. I never thought. I mean, I, I think that they're so. What you just said about the Alzheimer's patient thing, I think that's going to happen. And I think like that AI friend, whatever, AI companion is coming down. And I think it's a lot closer than people think it is because it yes. is it is a chatbot. I mean, chatbots have been around for a very long time. I shouldn't say very much. ChatGPT.
1: ChatGPT is a perfect example. You can mm-hmm. definitely chat back and forth and have like a natural conversation. <laughs> so things like that, you know, it's like uh, you have machine learning. Uh, you have NLP, n- what is that, n- natural la- language learning, processing. Uh, language processing. Uh, uh, so that's a part of AI is, t- uh, yeah, I think it's a part of Yeah, AI. it is.
0: It, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's been artificial uh, intelligence.
1: Yeah. By the way, I'm not like, I'm personally not like some like PhD in AI <laughs> or developer in AI or anything. I went down the rabbit hole in pursuit of writing a book about it. So I know I know um about uh, like pretty surface level um but I know about like uh deep neural networks and all that kind of stuff. I know about uh artificial general intelligence which is kind of what my book was about. My book was about an AI gone rogue essentially, like an AI that takes over the company that made it and then takes over the world using VR.
0: Um, so artificial general intelligence, AGI, I think it's not, I think that's what people will, what, what is, uh, what is it? Like what?
1: what... Yeah. So (laughs) AGI would be like what you would consider what everybody would think of when they think of an AI taking over the world. Um, it's something that has like, it's an AI that has like autonomy. It's an AI that kind of has a mind of its own, kind of does its own thing, isn't restricted to like this chat GPT, like a chat, uh, if you take a chat GPT program and you put it on a computer and you ship it to Mars, it's not going to end up like scooping up. Like, Mars dust and building, like, an Eiffel Tower from it, right? But an AGI could do that because an AGI can uh, almost look outward and learn machine learning. It's, like, what we're talking with machine learning, but, like, almost, like, broad machine learning. And, um, yeah. So, like, uh, it's scary stuff, (laughs) AGI. Hopefully that never happens.
0: I mean, I think I saw the. This is kind of, I mean, it's not, not not a tangent, but I if you I was listening to Sam Altman and he was talking. He's the CEO of OpenAI. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people don't know who he is. pretty brilliant guy. So he was talking about how he wants multiple AGIs to exist for the sheer fact of democratizing AI, and mm-hmm. and he wants to, and that will do, that will drive down cost the cost of AI or cost of um, going in. I I mean yes, so I'm in the camp that okay, I'm not scared of AI. I think that there are definitely if we, if we kind of get let it. Also, we're pretty far away from that. I think we're not we're we're gonna be we're pretty far away from like a sentient AI, as something that can kind of like be human, like mm-hmm. think for itself and do its own thing. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think we'll see that in our lifetime, but I think that AI is interesting. I think it's gonna be the next big thing in our in our in our lifetime. Like that's gonna be like. Kind of like the, what was it called the the what's it industrial revolution industrial revolution
1: yeah but so our- I agree <laughs> so I think what first will happen is AI is gonna really disrupt a lot of people's uh, life uh, um, their their jobs so we saw with ChatGPT how a lot of writers got uh, very scared and rightfully so I mean there's so many companies that are like Chat ChatGPT right now that are coming out that are providing ai content marketing for startups so a startup instead of using exposed healthcare to write articles or blogs for their uh website for seo purposes they'll use this uh ai uh like chat gpt which is actually kind of funny because For SEO blogs for a typical startup where nobody's going to read your blogs and the only purpose of these blogs is to increase Google-like placement, I would probably say you're in the right as a company to hire one of these, not hire, to pay one of these companies like $10 or $20 per month. But if you're using these companies to come up with your business plan, if you're using these companies To really, really write and create information uh, that is super vital, that it's accurate, stop right there. Because I had one of my clients, they used ChatGPT to do some market research, and it spit out three companies that absolutely do not do what is in comparison to my client nor what is listed on their website
0: yeah and i think that's, one, and that's another thing that i think people <laughs> are overlooking right now is chat is amazing i'm not saying it's, that. it's, a, not, it's, it's amazing it's, i agree yeah, i mean I've been, I've been i've been i've been using OpenAI for i don't know for like six plus months so i was like playing around with it trying to create whatever and it's it's really impressive and but i think that it's not it's not as smart as people think it is. It's impressive in the sense that you have this thing you're just typing in and just giving you answers. But <coughs> it, it is wrong quite often. I should I mean, I don't know exactly the, the thing. I would which... say it's
1: probably a very low percentage. But in healthcare where it's life or death yeah. and in a company where it's life or death, like something like market research, like that, it said Medscape is a messaging platform for yeah. healthcare workers <laughs> it said Hippocrates as a messaging platform for healthcare workers excuse me it's not yeah no. like <laughs> those are,
0: yeah those are databases that we use but <laughs> but yeah man that's uh yeah no so I I mean I, I I am I think AI does have a lot of places but we just need I mean the biggest thing with AI is data it needs data right I mean if you look at the amount of data that uh, the chat GPT was trained on it's a lot and we just I think healthcare the thing that's that's gonna that's stopping AI from really get, getting into healthcare is the access to data. Once the access to data exists and once it, it's prevalent, then we'll be able to then we'll then we'll start seeing AI. Because I mean, if you look at where AI is now, it's in radiology, it's in like those kind of specialties where it's like image based. So it's it's basing it all on images that it's scanning and kind of and and they're relatively accurate. So once we kind of open the floodgates on data in healthcare, I think we'll start seeing more and more viable AI solutions, not just AI solutions, but AI solutions that actually help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it needs to be something that's getting better as time goes on. So how about um, like medication optimization, right? So I feel like there's not like a big criticism there's not a lot of like skepticism when patients are put on medications they're like kind of put on it for life and they're told that by the physicians like oh you're on the statin for life but there's not a lot of optimization of that med- of those medication list and it's not a lot of optimization based on latest clinical guidelines so like for, ca- for oncology as you know zane because of NCCN, most patients are on the latest, greatest, like appropriate medication based on guidelines because there's like one place for it. And oncologists know about it and they're very, they're very knowledgeable about it. But most people's medications, they're not, it's not optimized based on the latest guidelines. And if there was a way for a medication optimizer AI to like take your data take the latest clinical guidelines literally like last yesterday a clinical guideline comes out and it updates the algorithm because of ai that would be like that would be something like really cool specifically for for pharmacy for patients for healthcare. that would be an ai that <laughs> would save so many lives so many lives
0: i agree uh, and I think that, and I think that'll come. And I don't think that we're too far away from it. It's just a, it's just a data problem right now, not necessarily an AI problem. I mean, it is. I mean, it ends up being an AI problem, but it's, it's really just a data problem. But it'll and it'll come
1: faster because of more clinicians being involved with these companies.
0: Yeah, and that, then, and then, and then we can circle back to expose right there. And I think that's that's, right. that's where, um, that's where I like when people are like, you are in the space doing fighting the good fight, and really. Really, and I think I mean we we've talked about a lot, of, a lot of random things, but I do want to touch on like the mission and the vision of you. Like you really are trying to, you're not you know you're not just doing it to just for the hell of it. Like hey, you know I just want to try this. Like you really, I mean you know we've talked a couple of I mean, we've talked before, and it really is something that you're passionate about. Getting clinicians into healthcare companies to to for the better for the better good of humanity. You know, being a little.
1: So I started with it following the following the money sorry for my cough (coughs) getting over uh one of the million viruses from daycare um so i started with it following the money and i i would say maybe that's not a bad idea for for clinicians to get their feet wet which is one of the reasons why i'm tapping clinicians for this is to kind of get their feet wet with just things that they could make money from and when you make money from it That means there's an exchange of value. And then, so in the beginning, I was like, just seeing what made me money. And then when I realized that I was making pretty good money from it, I switched in my mind goals. I was like, all right, I figured out how to make money. But am I really doing what I think is impactful? And that's where I changed my mission a little bit. where. It's not like just feeling it out and just trying to make money here and there. I need to be aligned with my mission with my kind of like my goals my what I think is right um so first first of all the companies that I work with are only companies that I align with mission wise so like I don't just reach out I don't just talk to uh, businesses that are just in healthcare I need to make sure i I buy what they're selling. Um, and then now with this recent change of like bringing these clinicians on, uh, because I don't have enough time to do all this work. <coughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, that would be, that'll be really fun. um, Especially if we get to the point where it's some kind of like platform that aligns these, like I said, haves with have nots. And to make it even more efficient, that'd be great.
0: That'd be awesome. Um there yeah, is. no. So I wish you nothing but the best man. I really I like I said I um I think our visions and missions align. Um and I will have all your all all your links linked below. So outside of uh if you know going to the TidyCal website, what is a what are other ways people can reach out to you?
1: So they could reach out me uh to me on LinkedIn under Steve Mallon. Um they could email me at stevenmallon.com at gmail i don't go by steven because that's pretentious uh s-t-e-v-e-n Malin uh at gmail for now i i haven't even made a i just have this tidy cow link uh like i said last time we talked i'm i've been too busy to make a website i've been too busy to make an email which again is the opposite of my previous company where <laughs> I not only email a website but like i said uh computer car this a CFO. Um, so email, uh, LinkedIn, but the best thing is tidy cow, tidy slash expose, set up a call with me. Uh, we'll talk, uh, whether, like I said, whether you're a startup, uh, a fortune 500 company that's in healthcare space that kind of just needs a perspective and you have a consulting budget. A lot of companies have like a consulting budget to pay consultants. Um, and we'll talk.
0: Sounds good, man. We'll talk. Yeah. No, thank you for um uh, for humoring me on the wide variety of topics. I really appreciate that a lot. But yeah, man, thank you so much. Uh love what you're doing and I wish you nothing but the best. Thanks again for uh spending time with me.
1: Thank you for having me, Zane. Uh am I allowed to say congrats on your
0: uh <laughs> Yeah, by the time this comes out, uh people will, will, will have known. Yeah.
1: <laughs> congrats on your on your new role. I know you were fighting for it for such a long time. And it's exactly in my wheelhouse of like what I've done, what I'm trying to do for other clinicians. And you're going to be so happy not doing the same thing over and over again and being part of the change rather than being part of the system, being this cog that day in, day out is just like, oh, this is so annoying. Like you can actually make a difference and you deserve it. You're not lucky. You fr- you freaking deserve it. I mean, you're lucky, but it was ninety nine percent you deserve it
0: thank you, man. I really really, really appreciate that a lot yeah it was it it was a long road, but it was definitely worth it. i think i I landed in a pretty perfect spot for me uh yes. Yes, and we'll take we'll see where life takes me from here, but I'm excited to uh I'm excited <laughs> for the journey, man, but yeah, thank you so much, I really appreciate that a lot.
1: yeah, this is gonna be in the next chapter of your life like people i i think I read something that like your life exists in fifteen year chapters, yeah, right, <laughs> so the last you know uh ten, fifteen years was like your pharmacist, probably pharmacy school life, right, so that was your pharmacist life. The next fifteen years will be like your product manager uh executive life, and then next fifteen years we'll see what happens there uh but uh i'm I'm really excited for the next fifteen years because you're gonna be so happy that you didn't just, like, stay where you are, you know, we've all spoken to those pharmacists that are, like, 60, 70 years old, that, like, they're just empty souls, or, like, retired people, they're just empty souls, like, like, I think, uh, from this change, and you and me both, like, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to myself, um, but, but then again, there are people that Literally their whole lives, they could work as a clinician, and it's fine. However, maybe having a little side gig on the side won't hurt, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah no, for sure. I think that, and that, and yeah, and that's why I think people should reach out to you just to see, you know, what's out there. And it's not a permanent thing. It's just a little bit of your time. And depending, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever time, however much time you can give, they can try <coughs> it out, see if they like it. If they don't, then they didn't, you know, put in their two-week notice on their job that they like right now. So, it's, Right, uh, exactly. It's a win-win. And if they like something, then they can pursue it and yeah. from there but yeah man thank you so much for the kind words i really 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 appreciate that a lot i wish you nothing but the best yes i will have all the links in the show notes below and yeah i'll man. venmo
1: you i'll venmo you later just kidding
0: but yeah man thank you so much yeah and, thanks uh, for your yeah. time zane appreciate, yeah, it. appreciate it congrats you, appreciate thanks,
1: it man. talk talk soon man
0: thanks